Bear Podcast Land. You have sent it out once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 156. My guest, a little bit later on, going 10 rounds with Rhino. Oh, it's a good one. UFC Bantamweight, Damon, the monster, Blackshear. Super great guy. Wonderful interview. Really fun to get to know him. Really, really cool dude. So I can't wait for you guys to check that one out a little bit later. So our intro and our schedule is as follows. Fight fam, this is going to be our Christmas episode, if you will, our celebration of the holiday spirit. We're all in it. Poor APB is not feeling the greatest, but she's soldiering through like a goddamn champion that she is. We're going to go over our full UFC Vegas 66 breakdown, have our drop of the night, Q&A with the Rhino Gang, plus, like I aforementioned, uh, 135-pounder for the UFC, Damon. Blackshear goes 10 rounds of Rhino. It is awesome. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get our swim trunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. UFC Vegas 66. Overall, a pretty good card. I wouldn't say great. I wouldn't say bad. I would say it was okay. So our first fight was in the 135-pound division. We had Sergey Morozov versus Journey Newsom. Um, you know, nothing major here. Journey was landing some, some nice kicks early on. Sergey took him down. You know, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't the most exciting fight. There was a couple of nice slams for Sergey, but overall, just uh, Sergey Moroz- Morozov got a better uh, performance over Journey Newsom, got the UD in that one. Moving into 125, we have Manel Kopp versus David Vorak. This one was a lot more fun. There was a lot more movement. Uh, there was a lot more striking. The, the t- you know, David got the takedown, which was surprising. Manel got up. Then he started landing more hard shots, really wobbled David a few times. But at the end of the day, it was a unanimous decision for Manel Kopp over David Vorak at 125. Moving into our third fight, which was uh, Renat Vakradinov versus Brian Battle. Renat fucking dominated Brian the entire time. Kept taking him down, wouldn't let him up. And when he did get up for a second, he would take him right back down. Total grappling domination for the uh, for Renat. Not over Brian from uh, over the tough, uh, what was it, 20 something tough 21 champion Brian Battle. But yeah, 170 pounds, Renat Fakradinov is going to be a fucking problem. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Moving into the first fight that really <clears> gave <throat> us that that sensation that we all look for when we watch these fights Hafa Garcia versus Masha Shate. I think I said that way, who by the way, missed weight by a couple pounds. So Fuck him. I hate when they do that. So, <laughs> Rafa Garcia looked like he was about a foot shorter than Makashate. And, dude, this one was awesome. So, early on, uh, a big knee for Makashate, a couple nice kicks. And then he hit a fucking beautiful shot on a Rafa Garcia's head, which cut him open bad. Now, we come to find out later that he actually nicked an artery. I can't in his believe head, that. Which made him bleed so profusely. <laughs> and Rafa Garcia. He was squirting hit. blood yes. everywhere. Yes. <clears throat> and I was all for it. I mean, I was fucking into it so bad from that point on. I mean, it really, he was bleeding all over Machachate. And Rafa Garcia, being so much smaller, really had to do like the the Mike Tyson style, like the duck in and like lunge forward with left hooks. And he was landing them. Uh, he had a couple of really nice takedowns throughout the fight. He opened up a cut on Machachate's head. Um, again, the ground and pound when Hoffa would get him down was really, really on point. Really fun fight, good fight, gnarly, bloody fight. I loved it. Ended up getting the unanimous decision for Rafa Garcia in that one. Then moving into 135 pounds, we had Saeed Nurmagomedov versus Saeed Yokub Kakramanov. Hey, I got a first try. <laughs> so this one was all, um, we're going to call it, we're going to call it, okay, yeah, Kakramanov was all over 
Nurmagomedov for the entire first couple rounds. I mean, just taking him down, uh, getting out of all of his submission attempts, ground and pound, throwing a couple of uh, submission attempts of his own. Really, really impressive for Sadio Kub Kakramanov over Saeed for that first round and a half or so. And then in the second, dude, just in a blink of an eye, Saeed Nurmagomedov slapped on the fucking uh, guillotine choke and tapped him out right away. It, it was just, it was like a flash, dude. It was like uh, Saeed Yacoub was completely dominating the fight and then, boop, you're over. Done. 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 <laughs> Saeed, Saeed Nurmagomedov got to submission in the second round. Really impressive to pull that one out. Uh, and after facing some high-end adversity early on. So, big win for him at 135. I, I, dude, incredible, incredible stuff. All right, moving into our sixth fight, which was Jake Matthews versus Matt Semi the Jedi Semmelsberger. And wow, this one was a fucking fun fight. Matt Semmelsberger immediately, you know, a couple straight rights, or I'm sorry, a straight two knocked Jake Matthews down. Matthews recovered, took him down. They would get back up. It was great intermediate fighting. Like when they were in the pocket, they were both changing. There was Ty Plum, knees, there was beautiful shots. And the thing about the fight that really could kind of clearly and easily set it apart was in the first round, Semmelsberger dropped Jake Matthews with a right hand. In the second round, Matthew Semmelsberger dropped Jake Matthews with a right hand. And in the third round, Matthew Semmelsberger dropped Jake Matthews in the in the third round with a right hand. So, like, if it's a fairly close fight, but then you have these three moments of, like, extreme you know, uh, damage from one guy to the other. You got to give it to Semmelsberger, who that's what the judges saw it. UD for him at 170 pounds over Jake <coughs> Matthews, the very tough Australian. Moving at 115 pounds, it was kind of a mer fight. Cheyenne Vismas versus Corey McKenna. McKenna was moving forward the whole time, landing some short, you know, some short shots. Nothing really of of, of major repute, you know. And when we were on the feet, Cheyenne landed a few hard shots, but the difference was Corey kept on taking her down. And when she would take her down, she was landing ground and pound. She was, you know, being aggressive when they were on the ground. Again, on the feet, Cheyenne had her moments, but this was very clear-cut. UD for Corey McKenna at 115 pounds. Did you have anything you wanted to say about Cheyenne Vismas at all, uh, APB? <laughs> okay, um, I'll, you know, if you, no, don't, you don't have to. Okay, good. I don't guess I'll say anything <laughs> about her and her hand. <clears throat> <laughs> I guess I I'll let, to make sure. let that one slide this time. We're, we're, we're in the Christmas spirit right now, so we're in the Vispus spirit right now. So we'll, <laughs> let, we'll, let, we'll let it pass without any comments on that one. All right. Moving into 185, we had Michael Oleksa J. Chuck. Holy shit, I'm on it today, APB. Versus it, Cody Bundy. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, dude, Cody Brundridge comes out, uh, takes Michael down right away. Michael reverses it, starts to really end some hard ground and pound, and then finally puts Cody out pretty much uh, with that ground and pound. Finish him right in the first round early. Holy shit, big win from Michael Olix and Jake. Oh, see, I got cocky. That's what happened. Right there, right there. That's what happened. <laughs> Olix and Jake, Chuck. Yeah. Over Cody Bunders, TK on the first round at 185. Moving into my favorite fight of the whole fucking night. Drew Dober versus Bobby Green at 155. Yeah, Holy it's shit. a good fight. Bobby Green, hands down, talking shit, landing jabs, landing twos, moving around, busting up Dober, Dober, busting up Dober's <laughs> face, fucking bloody up his nose, bloody up his mouth, swelled up his eye. Bobby Green's looking fantastic. He's getting out of the way. He's slipping. He's fucking doing everything right, dude. And then Drew Dober <laughs> comes with that straight left hand. Well, it was not a combination, but a straight left hand. Knocked Bobby Green down and out. I want to say it was the second round, I believe. And holy shit, got the fucking What a knockout. TKO. 
in the second for Drew Dober. Unbelievable. And again, it's one of those deals where you really like both fighters. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like both of them. I've never seen Bobby Green get knocked out. I don't know if I've ever seen him get knocked out ever. Maybe I have. I don't remember. I have once before, but yeah, it was fucking nuts. And I loved it. What a great fight. What an outstanding show. Not just of skill, but like of respect for those guys. I mean, I love both of them. Hope they both come back and get wins uh, in their next fights. So big ups to Drew Dober for the win over Bobby Green. Uh, Moving into another fun fight, which was Alex Caceres versus Julian Arosa. Wow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit, dude. I'm just going to get to the end because whatever. Alex Caceres steps back. He, he slips a punch. He throws a punch and misses, but on the miss, uses his momentum to throw up that left leg and hits Julian Arosa square in the face with his foot, knocks him down, it lands a couple more of the ground and pound. Julian Arosa is down and out. Alex Caceres, TKO in the first round at 145 pounds. Alex Caceres has been around forever. Yeah. I think they said it was his 27th. UFC fight or something like that. Like, holy shit. <clears throat> big ups to him on his longevity. <clears throat> Excuse me. And being able to stay in the mix for this long. Big, big ups to him. And then, you know, what's funny is that Juice from Freddy Sparring Bot, he doesn't like Julian Arosa because his nickname is Juice. <laughs> he oh, like really? So he was, he was pretty stoked <laughs> last night to hear that Alex Casera knocked on. I was, I was the one who broke the news to him, so he was pretty stoked on that. All <laughs> right, moving up. Let's move back into 125. We had Amir Albazi versus Alejandro Costa. Um... Not again, not the most exciting fight. Uh, Albazi is really good. I mean, really, really high level, talented guy. Costa came in on short notice. I guess they, Amir talked about it afterwards that he had already like three opponents drop out or not take the fight or whatever. So both guys were landing a few jazz and some kicks early. Not much going on. In the second, um, Amir sat him down with a nice hard punch, got on top, landed some ground and pound, wasn't close to a finish or anything. And then the third, early takedown. Uh, and then once they got up, he landed a fucking incredible right uppercut, which dropped Alejandro Costa down, finished him off on the ground. TKO in the third for Amir Albazi. This guy is really going to be good at 125. The, you know, the longer the, his career goes on, he just keeps getting better. Really impressive dude. And, you know, shout out to uh, Costa for standing, stepping in on late notice against a, a killer like Amir. So big ups to him on that. Moving into 155 which would have been our co-main event. We had Armand Sarukian versus Jameer Ismagulov. And then a couple of kicks early for Armand and the takedown. They got back up. There was a lot of really high-level scrambles. Like, Jameer kept on getting taken down, but you couldn't hold them down. He, he really incredibly would pop up and up and up, and he would use the cage to get up, and he would switch around from having his back taken to having his front taken and then get out of it. Um, but but Armand was just relentless with the takedowns. And again, he, he landed more when he was on top with, with the ground and pound. Nothing super devastating, but just his relentless takedowns were unbelievable. And Tamir's fucking, to give him all the credit in the world, him scrambling out of that so many times has got to be super exhausting. And he did a great job too. But yeah, and then in the end, it was Armand Sarukian. Unanimous decision at 155 pounds for him. All right, we're going to move into our main event for UFC Vegas 66 at 185 pounds, which is Sean Strickland versus Jared Cannonier. Boring. <laughs> now, yeah, APB, do you know you know when a car is a, is a manual shift? Yes. And you have to go from first to second to third to fourth to fifth and so on. This one was the fight that just never got out of second gear, right? <laughs> it just constantly was in that same couple jabs for Strickland, maybe a right hand, back away. Jared Kennedy would walk forward, throw a couple overhands, but just hit Sean in the arms. 
And then, like, nothing would happen for five or 15 more seconds. And then the same thing would repeat. So, like, this was the second gear fight. Yeah. All five rounds, it was just nobody had a sense of urgency. Nobody kicked it into the next gear. Nobody threw caution to the wind. It was a very, like, lame. Like a, it looked like a sparring match. You know yeah, I mean? it did. It looked yeah, like sparring. Right. Nobody really got that eye of the tiger to really go for it at all so not a very entertaining fight for our last fight of usc Vegas 66 i will say this i thought strickland did enough to win uh he was the one who wobbled jared a couple times i thought he landed more uh, significant shots he was more in control keep <laughs> let me preface all this by saying i like jared candier way more than i like sean strickland right just as yeah. a person <clears throat> but I thought Strickland did enough to win last night, but the split decision went to Jared Cannonier. Again, it was super close. No robbery of any, you know, any sort of stretch of the imagination. It was really close. Nobody got either one of the guys separated themselves. Again, I thought Strickland won, but I have no problem with Jared Cannonier getting the split decision in that one. So that is our last fight for several weeks for the UFC. Thankfully, there's some other organizations that are going to step up during that time. But yes, we are going to be on a hiatus for a while. The, UFC, that is. And, you know, so it was funny. I saw it on Twitter the other day. Someone was like, we're about to enter our dark times. And I thought that was really funny. That's going to make it so dramatic. Like, it's, uh, I don't know. <clears throat> but so, yeah, dude. So that's UFC Vegas 66. That's our recap on that. So let's get into uh, the last drop of the night for the year of 2022. I'm going with Drew Dober with his incredible crushing left hand on to... Um, the King Bobby. So here's, here's my problem is that there was a couple Bobby green, by the way, there's a couple that I really, really liked. I really like the Caceres kick as yeah. well. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to stick with one that I think was more important overall. So I'm going with Drew Dober with his left hand on uh, Bobby green. What about you? Yeah, I think it should go to Drew Dober too, because I mean, first of all, Bobby green was winning before he got knocked out. Yes. So, and yeah, um, I also pick, Drew Dober as well. All right. So those are our drops of the night for UFC Vegas 66. Let's go ahead and get our Q&A with the Rhino Gang as there are no picks for next week. So our first one comes from the homie, the Raisin Sweet Potato from up in Canada Way. RSP, what's your festive first question that you have for us for this week? Okay. Well, RSP question number one says, who wins in a fight, Nganu or Santa Claus? <laughs> Now I love Santa Claus, right? I love the Christmas spirit. I believe he can he can do many things that are out of this world, right? He he knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you're even better good. You know what I mean? He's he's a very well knowledge, very smart, very um, incredible person. That being said, Francis by one punch walk off KO in the first round. <laughs> For all of Santa's high marks, he's not beating the strongest, hardest-punching heavyweight in the history of MMA in a UFC fight. No no, no chance. He can deliver all those presents th throughout the world through overnight, but he can't beat Francis Ngannou. So Ngannou by walk-off, KO, one punch, first round. <laughs> okay. and, all the, and all the little children will cry <laughs> when Santa gets knocked out. <laughs> oh, but then they're going to blame Francis. They can't do that. Oh, what have you done here? All right, let's get into our second one, which also comes from the Rage Street Potato. RSP, what do you got for us? Your second question, dude. RSP number two says, what are some of the things on your 2023 MMA <coughs> wish list? So these are these are things that are have already been kind of bandied about, you know what I mean, have been talked about, have uh, I've heard some scuttlebutt about, right? So 
these are things that could feasibly happen. And I've heard some things about, you know, maybe happening. So here's the first one, obviously, is Francis fighting John Jones for the heavyweight title and knocking him into the stratosphere. We know that one. Uh, Moreno beating Figgy to get the title back at 125. Colby coming back and getting trucked by, I don't even care who it is. Yeah. Anybody at 170, just, I want Colby to come back and get fucking annihilated <laughs> and then get out of the UFC for good. That's what, I, that's a one for sure. No, keep really, him around and beat him up a few times. A few more times. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely Connor coming back. I love the Michael Chandler fight at 170. I think that would be awesome. So I would definitely love to see Connor come back and fight on uh, Michael Chandler. I would like to see Nick and Nate Diaz get big payday super fights outside of the UFC whether that's in boxing or in MMA, you know what I mean? I would love for them to, you know, go over to Japan or something and for like a one night thing where they both fight and make a bunch of money. So yeah, Nick and Nate Diaz both getting big payday fights outside of the UFC. Uh, even if it's the Jake Paul or, you know, I, I don't care. I just want them to get big paydays. So that's for sure. I hope that Boars versus Leon happens for the 170 pound belt. I would love to see that one. Of course, Yuri Prohaska, my favorite light heavyweight. I would love to see him return. I, he is one of my most favorite fighters to watch. He is so exciting. I know his shoulder is in a terrible way right now. So hopefully he gets all fixed up, all patched up, and heals up and comes back as good as ever. Uh, number eight, I definitely want to see Bullet versus Amanda Three. I've been saying it for a long time. I'm going to keep saying it until it happens. They're the two best female fighters in the world, in my opinion. Bullet Shevchenko versus Amanda Nunez Three. Let's fucking run it. Number nine. I hope that when Jamal Hill gets to fight down in Brazil for the light heavyweight title, I hope he wins. If for no other reason, then we'll have our first Rhino Gang UFC uh, champion for sure, dude. I definitely want to see that. And then finally, I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago, but Tatiana Suarez is coming back. Yeah. I want Tatiana Suarez and Wiley Zhang to have an epic, incredible back and forth in, you know, a fight that we all talk about for a really long, long time at 150 pounds for gold. I'm not going to say who I think wins right now, but I would love to see Tatiana Suarez come back, get a win or two, you know, just to get all the rust off, and then take on Wiley Zhang in 2023 and win. Well, and we'll see if she'll win the title. <laughs> right. So those are my wish list. That's my top 10 wish list for 2023. Thank you very much, RSP. That was a great question, my dude. All right, let's get into our homie. Number three, Jim Asun. Jim Asun. Now, APB has got the perfect voice to do her Jim Asun impression this time. So, APB, take it away. Well, and I should also preface this by saying that we were talking about my Jim Asun voice in the group chat the other day. And Dean said that I needed to be a little more buzzed to do it. And I said, just wait till I have a cold. And what do you know? Now I have a cold. And I'm high on disease, so <laughs> this is my Christmas present to all of you. <laughs> okay, you ready? Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Rano and the Rano gang, I hope y'all are doing well. Okay, you bunch of fucking casuals. <laughs> I wanna, I wanna wish y'all Merry Christmas for starters. My question this week, I want to know your most memorable Christmas you've had, and you kids know it's always 420. Oh my God, dude, I can't even fucking listen to it. It's so funny. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> oh, I'm fucking crying over here, dude. Like my eyes are legitimately. <laughs> I am too, but I was already crying because of the disease. You know? <laughs> I'm high on disease, she says. Oh my god. All right, Jen, let's collect ourselves. It's a professional show for fuck. Life. All right. So there would have to have been in 1986 or 1987, one of the two, where uh, that was the one I got my first Nintendo, which was a huge deal. Obviously, my whole immediate family was there, my sisters, my parents. And then it was one of the few times that my grandmother and my aunt came up from Indiana to stay with us for a few days for Christmas. So the vibe was, like, just awesome. I mean, I remember the lights. I remember the cookies. I remember just the family fun time. It was great. But then Nintendo, dude, it had Super Mario Brothers, Kung Fu, and then Duck Hunt were the first three games that, like, you know, we got that same Christmas. And it just provided endless entertainment. It was fun that even my dad would play it with me, which was cool. My little sister, Nancy, would play. It was like, it was just really, really fun. It was my favorite gift I think I ever got as a kid. And uh, it was just a cool, fun time that everybody was together. So, yeah, 86 or 87. I don't know for sure which one. But, yeah, I was 8 or 9. And whenever I got that Nintendo, that Christmas was really, really special and definitely sticks out in my brain. So, Jim and Sue, thank you very much, my dude. All right, let's get it on. Homie the Doc was a really fun one. Doc, what do you got for us this week, dude? Okay, Doc says... Right now, if you were to become a multimillionaire, what would you get each member of the Rhino Gang GC for a Christmas gift this year? This was really, really fun. Dude. So when I read this, I was like, oh, shit. <clears throat> and I didn't even think about it, like, really hard. I just kind of would think of each member and then, like, what would first come to mind. And I think it all worked out pretty good. So for APB, my co-host with the Mohos, I would get you um, – I would get you the best baking equipment that there is on the market. I mean, the stuff that you can make the greatest. You already are an amazing baker, but I'll have you have like the greatest mixers and ovens and all the best like kitchen utensils. That would be awesome. Greatest shit. That would be your gift for me to you. I Uh, love that. Yes, ma'am. For D. Kronz, I would definitely get him the best fishing equipment, the best poles, the best lures, all that stuff. And then I would book us a trip for me and D. Kronz to go fishing somewhere, have a really great time on on a fishing trip. For our homie, Mr. B, I would get Mr. B a box suite at Madison Square Garden. So for a whole year, you can do you can go to every single uh, event at MSG in New York uh, and then take your friends. Mr. B, that would be my gift for you. For Drea, a year's supply of Coca-Cola. <laughs> I know she loves Coke so much. And she would, I mean, a year's supply for her might be different for the rest of us. But yes, to the feature play, Drea, a year's supply of Coke, all you can drink. You'll love it. I'll be stoked that you can you can have uh, your Coke fix anytime you want it. To our girl Clarissa, I want her to have the Venom you like the Venom sweatsuits from the UFC from all of her favorites. She can pick as many as she wants. Totally UFC Venom sweatsuited out for our girl Clarissa over in Cali, Cali. To my guy Marquise, front row tickets to Spence and Crawford if it ever happens. Knock on wood, please. All right. Uh, to our girl Storm, I want Storm to have like. The best home entertainment center uh, in the entire world. Like the best, you know, flat screen, liquid crystal TV, surround sound, all that stuff for our girl Storm. To my man Angel, a massage chair for all of his post workout needs. You can just sit in that massage chair, let him work out the knots. Fuck yeah, dude. Take care of my homie Angel on that front. To the big homie Jim Asoon. I mean, is there any question about what I would want Jim Asoon to have? No. The highest and best weave that was available, dude. <laughs> I want that for our boy Jim Azun. <clears throat> to the Rage of Sweet Potato, I want him to have like the highest top shelf tools and equipment for his amazing woodworking business that he does. So I want I mean, he's already so talented, but like I want him to have the best of the best as far as the equipment and the tools, dude, for sure. To our motorcycle riding madman, the Dean Dog, I want him to get like 
I would get him like a beautiful chopper, like a brand new motorcycle with some CSWR graphics on it. Some it would have to say his nickname of motorcycle ride madman somewhere on it. But yeah, a brand new chopper for my man Dean Dog out in Iowa. All right, to our girl Jess. I would like to get her these uh, a dream list of all the Funko Pops in the world that she wanted <laughs> to have and has never had before because she's a Funko Pop collector. Yes, she is. <clears throat> and I'm sure there are ones that are really, really rare and hard to get a hold of. So I would get my girl Jess all of the Funko Pops that she would ever want. And I want her whole house to be full of Funko Pops <laughs> and her to be stoked on it. So that's for sure there. To my man, Dave Fretz, I would get him season tickets front row to the Toronto Raptors because Dave Fretz loves basketball and I would love him to have the opportunity to go to all the Raptors games, the home games. That would be sweet. To Andrea, who you know has a side hustle of making cake pops and she's really, really good at it. I would love for there to be some sort of way that I could maybe purchase like, I don't know, 20,000 of them and she could take all the time she wanted. She would not have to stress out about making them. In small batches over and over, this would be over time. But, like, I would order and buy, like, 20,000 of them and then send them to all of the uh, food banks all over Canada. So all the people who are, you know, struggling, who need uh, food, they're not just getting the essentials of, like, you know, proteins and produce. They're also getting something really beautiful and really tasty in those cake balls. So that's be that would be what I would do with uh, our girl Andrea. To our girl Cakes, I would get Cakes a Chicago season pack, even though she's in Vegas <laughs> I would get Cakes a Chicago sports pass so she could go to all of the – whichever team she likes better. I don't know if it's the, the Sox or the Cubs. Whatever whatever baseball team she likes more, she can go to all of their games. To whatever, all the Bears games, all the Bulls games, all the Blackhawks games, a full sports pass for our girl Cakes. She can go to Chicago and see any game she wants all year round for an entire year. I would love to do that for – so I think that is all 16 members of our Rhino Gang GC – Love you guys so much. You do so much for us. We we couldn't do the show without you. We appreciate you endlessly. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we love you. And Merry Christmas to all of you who celebrate. All right, let's get into our lone voice question, which comes from the Juicy Fruit Bebe from the Friendly Sparring Pod. Juicy Fruit Bebe, what do you got for us this week, dude? Hey, Rhino, you know who this is and what I do. Got a question for you this week about Raul Rosas Jr., the 18-year-old... Um, who just uh, made his UFC debut. And I'm not talking about the age thing. You know, that's a separate topic that we can unpack later. And frankly, I'm not ready to do that. But he went on the MMA Hour and said that he was ready to fight Aljamain Sterling. He said the champion. I think he meant, you know, put me, put me in title fight, I'll win. You know, Aljamain Sterling's the champion. They got me to think there's a fine line between cockiness and audacity. Like, on the one hand... I would expect that anyone in the division should be ready for a title fight. Like that's what you're training for. That's what you want to do. You know, that should be expected. On the other hand, this kid just got in the UFC and literally like, it doesn't have a driver's license. Like, are you fucking kidding me? I don't know. What are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, dude. Ah, uh, the exuberance of youth, right? <laughs> Raul, while very super impressive on his Dana White contender series fight, his UFC debut, if we're being honest with ourselves, dude, he gets not only beaten, but he gets murked by anybody in the top 20 at 135 right now. I hope he was just saying that to look cool in front of Ariel or to kind of look cool in front of, you know, the people watching. Because if he really thinks that he could beat Aljamain Sterling or anybody who has the 135-pound belt right now, he's fucking delusional, dude. I'm all for, you know, this kid having a really long and good career. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for him. 
that that rooting for him takes a little bit of a hit with him showing that yeah, that's not the best move, bro. You don't want to fucking go out there and say you're ready to fucking win the title right now at just 18, having had one UFC fight. So the one thing that'll kind of be detrimental moving forward with that is if he really thinks that, like if he really believes in his heart of hearts that he is the best fighter at 135 right now, he's going to make some bad choices moving forward that could be detrimental to his career as far as like, oh, they're offering me this guy who's, uh, you know, 20 and one and I'm 10 and three or whatever. Sure, I'll take that fight and he's going to lose. And it's going to put him off track, and it could be a bummer for his career. So, yeah, I really hope he's just saying that to look cool. He realizes he has so much work to do over a really long period of time. And, again, I hope he realizes that was probably not the right thing to say, but I'm still kind of cheering for the kid moving forward. So that is my answer on that one. Juicy Fruit Baba from the Friendly Sparring Pod. All right, let's get into our 10 rounds of Rhino with UFC Bantamweight Damon, the monster Blackshear, after a quick word from our sponsor, K&R Designs. Hey, Rhino gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? Well, look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Oh, Fight Fam, we got ourselves another fantastic guest going 10 rounds with us today, former CFFC champion. UFC Bantamweight, Damon, the monster, Blackshear is with us tonight. Damon, thank you so much for joining us today, sir. Yep, thank you for having me. Dude, we are super stoked to have you on, my dude. So basically, buddy, round one with Ryan was always the same. We'd love to hear the origin story. What's the background story? How about you first got involved in this crazy, wacky world of MMA, dude? Um, Since I was a kid, I was always uh, interested in, in doing it. My dad was a boxer. Um, he wasn't around early on, but like, it was always like in the back of my mind, um, just kind of just running around the neighborhood. It's not like I, uh, I lived in like a soft neighborhood. Everybody was always fighting. And then, um, I was, I was fighting as well. And, uh, I was walking around with boxing gloves, just kind of pushing for, um, pushing towards this. And then somebody threw up the idea of like, of like me being in the UFC at a young, young age. And, and like me watching it on TV, Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner, and I just it was just my calling, you know. And I just kind of just like pursued it. Um, even when I went to wrestle for high school, wrestling for high school was a uh, was a base in order to get into MMA. So, so you're aware of it that early on, dude. You're like, you know, I'm doing this to get to that. That's badass, dude. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
your uh, your next UFC fight is in March at UFC 285. You're matched up with Farid Basharat. What, if anything, do you know about him? Do you even watch video on your guys or do you kind of let your team take care of that? What's uh, what's the word on that, my dude? I know a little bit about him. Um, I know he's got like a Taekwondo kind of stance background, and um, he's pretty well-rounded. He's not too dangerous anywhere. I feel like I'm, I'm better than him everywhere. Um, but it's in the UFC, so it's like nobody's out here is are slouches, but I definitely see a, a finish, and um, yeah, it's about a very, very cool, my dude. <laughs> right? So I want to go back into your uh, UFC debut against the highly touted Yusef Zalal. That fight ended in a draw. Every time there's a draw, there's always some cases to be made on either side, right? Have you had a chance to go back and watch the fight? And, like, do you agree with that? Or do you think it should have been your way? Or do you kind of have a different perspective on it? Have you watched it back yet? Yeah, I, I watched it a whole bunch of times. Um, I went back and I either – it's either it was a draw or it was leaning towards me. So I'm, I'm okay with it being a draw. Um, but there was no way he won the fight. He didn't, he didn't win the first two rounds. The the last round, he ended up catching me with a body. I ended up uh, shooting shooting uh, a shot on him, but I, there was no way that I was even close to getting finished. You know, I'm talking to the ref the whole time while he's trying to finish me. I'm telling the ref like, "Yo, I'm good, I'm good, I'm covering down." He barely landed anything else after that uh, body shot. Um, so I don't see it really being a 10-8 round. Um, he, you could have gave him the third round for a 10-9, but like. As far as, as far as I'm concerned, it's either like it was a draw or it was my fight to win. So I got you, dude. That's a great perspective to get right from your, you know, from where you were at as, as far as that goes. And yeah, I again, it was one of those deals where I was like, okay, I could kind of see a draw, but I was leaning towards you in that fight as well. So I, it was just interesting. I wanted to kind of hear your perspective on it. So now, dude, your pro record consists of 12 wins. With nine of which are by stoppage, and eight of those are by various choke techniques. Like, dude, arm triangle, rear naked. I mean, you, you've you been doing chokes for a long time. When did the monster become the strangler, dude? <laughs> like, you are such an impressive uh, choke artist. Like, how, how and when did you learn these techniques? When did you figure out, like, man, I'm really good at doing this and pulling these off? Yeah, so um, I've been doing jiu-jitsu is about – Around the same time I started doing MMA officially inside a gym. So I've been doing it for about uh, going on 10 years now. And even like before then, I like uh, watching UFC fights, playing the game. I was already like in my front yard and backyard pulling off triangles and omoplatas and gogoplatas. So I was always uh, a student of the game, even young on, like 12 years old. Um, so I've always been like a heavy grappler. And when it comes down to the fights, a lot of times I, I hurt them on the on the feet and they give up their neck and it's it's a done deal and I'm gonna take it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, absolutely, dude. If you if you research if you research you and you see some of your other fights and you're like, he is really snatching necks and cashing checks over here because this guy puts people out left, right, and center with these jokes. And so yeah, I just I, I look forward to seeing that for uh, if that ever presents itself. Uh, in the UFC, so everybody else could see how like your grip is different, your strength on the ground, and those choke techniques is different. And uh, yeah, dude, it's fantastic stuff to watch. So yeah, I really, really, uh, I hope anybody gets a chance to go back and take a look at some of your wins via choke, dude, because they are awesome. So like hey, I just said, go, go ahead, buddy. No, go ahead. 
I was saying, I appreciate oh, it. Oh, you're very welcome, dude. So where does the monster come from? Like who gave you that nickname? Where does it come from? What's kind of the, what's kind of the story on that? So, um, back in, in Philadelphia where I used to uh, wrestle in high school, one of my uh, teammates, Bernard, uh, Bernard, he used to always be like, Hey, yo, the monster. He, he, I don't know exactly where, where he came up from it, uh, came up with it, but he was the one that, uh, gave me that name while I was on a, uh, on a wrestling team. And then the rest okay. of the team, the rest of the rest of the team started calling me the monster as well. They're always good when they come organically like that. You know what I'm saying? Just, yeah, it was just a buddy from the wrestling team who started calling me that dude. <laughs> um, yeah. So how did you originally, how did you originally find your way out to Jackson Wink? Like what was the tipping point? Did you have a friend who was like, dude, you need to come train here? Like how was, how did the transition come to go out to Jackson Wink gym uh, to train? So I was, uh, I was in North Carolina. I just, uh, got offered a fight and I was looking for camps. My manager manager reached out to me. He was like, Hey, we got, um, we can go down to Jackson Winks Cause I guess he had a connection and I was I already had somewhat, um, a connection down there too. Cause I know my old team, team rock had a connection with them. So I was like, Hey, that's perfect. And, um, and they go down, end up going down there and then uh, bonding with the coaches pretty well. I mean, you're not going to get a, a gym that's more famous, has a better history or track record of producing great fighters than Jackson Wing. So, yeah, what an amazing uh, place to be able to train and sharpen up the skills, my guy. So let us yeah. know about some things away from the cage, Demonster, that you like to do. Some things that, like, we, we it's time to decompress. It's time to get away from the cage, away from training. Some fun stuff. What are some things you like to do just away from the fight world to uh, to enjoy your time, man? So um, I like to do the, um, new things. Um, right now, it's, I'm not making a lot of uh, a lot of money. So things things I'm doing is just every everything is kind of like centered around just mixed martial arts. So um, I'm either like just meditating. I'm watching a lot of fights. Like I really just like I'm honing in. Like it's very obsessive right now with mixed martial arts. So I'm not doing too much, but. Like later down the line, I have like I like trying new things. I like to go surfing. I like to um, ride my bike. I like to go outside. Do I'm very out- outdoorsy. Um, yeah. Uh, I play video. I play the video game. Watch movies. You know, I'm basically, I've been skydiving. So it's like wow. Once I, once I start uh, making a lot lot more money down the line, you know, I'm gonna be doing a whole bunch of other crazy shit. But right oh, now, yeah, it's yeah. like <laughs> completely just complete focus you know absolutely it's tunnel vision right now but i could totally yeah. see the the uh the 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 adrenaline that was the word i was looking for i could see that you like the adrenaline and you're good to go for outside stuff extreme style sports if you will and uh yeah very cool dude so this is a fun question demand that i like i like asking people and kind of see what they come up with so if you weren't fighting if fighting wasn't the career path that you had chosen what do you think you'd be doing as far as like to make a living in this world right now, dude. Like, what career do you think you would have chosen if fighting wasn't on the table? Yeah. So, um, in school, I was always good with math, right? And also, like, I remember early, early on in my uh, like in school, it was like, hey, maybe I can do like something like astronomy or whatnot. And then a girl came up, she was like, they don't make no money. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Huh? And uh, <laughs> 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 so then I was like, hey, maybe I could do like a uh, like engineering or whatnot but like the more i like just think back to it it's just like i'm, I'm a very extreme kind of person i don't like 
sitting around. I couldn't I couldn't imagine uh just being in the office all day, you know? So um I would always I think like I might have chose that initially, but I don't think I would have stuck stuck with it, like being an engineer or uh anything around those lines. Um maybe like I probably would have retired and did like firefighting. Something like something that gets me going a little bit, you know? Yeah, absolutely, dude. They're, that's so funny. You're like, I was good at math. And I, my first thought was, I wasn't. Still not. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I work in I work in education, so that's a, that's the funny part, dude. So yeah, dude, I, I think a firefighter, something like that, is a, it's a pretty common thing. I've had a lot of fighters on the show who either you know have done some work in firefighting or paramedic or police or or army or you know military just stuff outside that's physical that also involves a lot of cerebral aspects to it so yeah i could totally see that happening my dude so as somebody as somebody who and especially this is especially like more pointed for the lower weight classes as far as when we're training we've got to cut weight it's just something we have to do it's something that's part of the game weight cutting is something we have to do and when we're doing that we're depriving ourselves of some of our most favorite foods, some of the things you really like to throw down on. So put yourself, Demonster, in the in the headspace of you've already won the fight, you're out with the friends, the family, you're out with having a good time. What are you gonna throw down on grub wise and where are you gonna get it from, dude? Oh man, I like uh five guys. Awesome. I go down <laughs> yeah, I go to five guys, I get a nice juicy burger and uh some uh, some mil- a milkshake. You gotta grab me a milkshake. Oh, and I, uh, I grow down, and then uh, and then I find a pizza spot. I don't care what kind of what pizza spot, but I find a pizza spot. Yeah. I, I think you are completely just speaking my language right now. That's all I gotta tell you. About <laughs> <it>. <laughs> that was awesome, fantastic. So, oh my, my dog Champ is making sure he's heard by you right now by uh, coughing almost right into my ear on that one. All right, thanks, buddy. All right, so we have, <laughs> we, we have careened our way into the 10th round with Rhino, which is just the easiest route of them all, buddy. Just let us know your social media so everybody the Rhino gang can follow along on DeMonster. Uh, keep tabs on your career moving forward and just kind of uh, be on your team, dude. So just, yeah, share your social medias with us, Demon. Hey, my social media is uh, on Instagram is DeMonster, D-A underscore monster 94, M-O-N-S-T-E-R 94. Um, so that's, yeah, that's the only thing I'm on okay. right now. I'm not on Facebook, so. <laughs> well, no, dude, that's fantastic, fam. I'm telling you this, dude. And if you saw the first fight, you, you know, that's only a taste of what this guy is capable of. I am so stoked to watch you fight. Uh, watch you fight in March, dude. I can't wait for the next time on those UFC lights. I know we're going to get uh, another performance that's really going to be one like, holy shit, this dude kid is really good, and he's going to be a problem at 135. So, Demon, again. Thank you so much for taking the time out today, sir. We really, really appreciate you. Hey, thank you, guys. Hey, this is Damon, the monster, Blackshirt, and I just did 10 rounds with Rhino. Thank you so much, Damon. That was fucking great. Really, really had a good time talking to you, dude. Best of luck and best of skill moving forward in your fight coming up, my dude. All right. Let's get in our shout-outs and our outdoor door forum contributors to the Rage Sweet Potato, not once, but twice. To the big homie Jim Masood, who we got a great impression of from our poor sickly <laughs> APB this week. To my man, the Doc. Well, that was a really fun one to give. Uh, you know, if I ever do get that multi-million contract to join someone for the podcast, all those gifts really will come to all the homies in the GC. That's for sure. Did you so say the, Clarissa? I missed her. If you, yeah, you Clarissa got her? all the uh, Clarissa got all of the venom um, sweatsuits, the UFC sweatsuits. 
Okay, okay. Sorry, I zoned out. <laughs> I hope I didn't miss anybody either. Uh, fuck that. I would feel terrible if I missed somebody, but I don't think I did. Um, all right, so yes, yeah, so the Juicy Fruit Baby from the Friendly Sparring Pod, Miss Fight Diva. Tempt- I said Diva with a B. Miss to Fight Diva, <laughs> to Tempting Tori, all the ladies of the PRG, to Fabian the Man of Mayhem, to Chris from Unmatched MMA, Mike Morgan, Chisanga, to all my underdog MMA peeps, Jillian, Chrissy, Monica, Katie, and Jason. To Tom and Sandy, to Mari, Pamela, Kairos, Brett, of course, my beloved Rhino Gang, GC Gang, 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 Ashley MMA Nerd, uh, Feature Play, Andrea, D Reigns, the best engineer in the biz, Dave Fretz, the ISI of graphic design. Make sure you check him out on Twitter and on Instagram. He has another fucking incredible poster. He just doesn't miss, folks, of, of Demond this week. It is so good. I can't believe you guys check that one out. So I know it's the Christmas time we're getting to right now. We've got about a week left. It is very. It's a very wonderful time for a lot of us to celebrate. It's also kind of a dark and sad time for some others. So make sure, like we say every week, we reach out. You know, give somebody a call, give somebody a text, give somebody a FaceTime, even an email. Let them know you're thinking of them. Let them know you're available to talk. That's what you know. That's what the season's all about, man. Is giving not just of things, but of your time and of your love. And as of course we love to say around here, love is greater than hate. And we will see you in two weeks. Cage side.